Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. Today is, uh, let's see, it's Friday, the 4th of March. This is episode number 428. And uh, I guess I got to say, how you doing today, Barry? I, I'm doing just fine, but I'm not Barry and you are Allison. You forgot that bit again. Oh, shoot. I keep I keep doing that. Now, last week, somehow I managed to uh, introduce Barry Folk as Bart. So I figured it was only good for symmetry if I did the opposite this week. <laughs> Right. Although I got to say something nice about Barry because he commented my beard, he complimented my beard. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, the nicest guy in the world. Well, anyway, Bart Bouchatz is here for uh, Programming by Stealth, episode 10 of X. Yes, indeedy. So we are really coming very close to, to the to the end of our CSS bits and to the bit where you get to start really programming with JavaScript. So that's two installments away now. So you get to do tables next time. Uh, but before then, we got to learn a little bit more CSS. Okay. Well, hey, you. Uh, I, I hope you noticed that I actually used some of the CSS that we did last week. I created a little uh, boxed uh, picture of my, my hero, the cryptologist that was in the hearings, and I put a title under it. It was amazing. Took me only seven tries to get it right. Well, you not only did you learn, did you use what we learned in the series, you also used the experience of the series to learn new things that we haven't covered in the series. Because you're using CSS drop shadows, and that's not something we've talked about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we found that in a uh, in a, a link after we got off the show last time, didn't we? Yeah. So you were able to search for it, find the relevant property, read the documentation that told you what values to put into the property, and make it work. So you know, yay! So you're teaching us how to learn too, right? Right, exactly, because there's no earthly way that this series can ever tell you every single HTML tag, every single CSS property, because I'd bore the tears off everyone. Like, <laughs> it would just be awful. So, you know, if you understand the ones I teach, then you should be able to read the documents to get the other ones. It's the theory. All right. Well, it looks like it's working. Excellent. All right, let's tuck in. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about, this is kind of a bit of an odds, of, an odds and ends um, installment. So there's sort of three distinct chunks to it. But the first chunk I want to talk about is styling lists. So we first learned about lists way, 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 way back in installment number three. And we learned that there were three kinds of lists in HTML. You have ordered lists, you have unordered lists or bulleted lists, and you have definition lists. Um, Now we're not going to, there's not really much CSS to do on definition lists. They're very straightforward. There's nothing, nothing more to teach you there. But I do want to revisit the other two, the ordered and the unordered lists, because there is actually some CSS we can do to control their presentation. So as a reminder, an ordered list is created by an OL tag. And inside that tag, you place LI tags, so ordered list and list item. So the ordered list creates a big box. And inside that big box, there's a little box, one under the other for every list item. Right. And you can have an ordered list inside another list item. So you can nest them together. But basically, it's one big box for the whole list, and then that contains little boxes for each item. Okay. So when we're styling it, it's important to remember that you have a big box containing it all, and then little boxes within. Yeah. So what can we do to our little doodads? Well, the first thing to look at is the position of the bullet or the number. So a bulleted list is some sort of bullet followed by some stuff, and then some sort of bullet followed by some stuff. And a numbered list is some sort of number followed by some stuff. <laughs> so where does that bullet or number go is the first thing we get to control. And we have a whopping total of two choices. <laughs> we can have inside or outside. So <laughs> the, C- the CSS property is a list dash style dash, posi- dash position. 
And it's not a property of the list item. It's a property of the list. Hmm. So that's the first thing that may confuse people. So you, 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 you style the OL or, sorry, the UL or the OL to say where you want the dots or the numbers to go, not the list item. Which makes sense, because otherwise you'd, you'd have to apply the style all over the place. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, now, inside or outside of what is probably what you're asking next. <laughs> yes, I was. So, we said that the list item was a little box inside the big box. Well, does the dart go inside the LI's content region or outside the LI's content region? So, think of the box for the list as a whole. It generally has a wide left padding so that list items are in a bit from the edge of the screen or the edge of the area. Mm -hmm. And the default behavior is that the dot or the number should go outside of the list item itself and hover over that padding which belongs to the OL or the UL. So that's what outside means. So it is to the left of where the actual LI starts. Okay. Because you have this wide gutter created by the padding on the list. Okay. Okay. So the list actually controls that that initial padding, that open spot mm-hmm. on the left. Yes. That's so that's padding from the list, and then after that padding, the LIs begin. And the default is that the position of the dot or the number is outside of the LI, which means it actually ends up back to the left of it, hovering over the empty space created by the padding. Okay. No idea why anyone thought that was a good idea, but that is what they decided. Hmm. Now, actually, well, okay, so it does have a, a real effect because it means that if a list item goes over multiple lines, the dot remains very clearly outside of the multi-line. Because the other option is to have the dot on the inside of the content region, and then if it goes over multi-lines, then the dot is not outside of. If you get, get what I'm saying? Maybe. Okay, keep going. <laughs> well, I guess one way this to would be something to visual it. to see. Well, we will see it as we go on, actually. So yeah. for now, we just said that it's a very simple property, in or out. And the default is out. Okay. The next property I want to look at is list-style-type. And this controls what it is that is used as a bullet or as a number. So let's start with ordered list. So the there are a whole bunch of valid values for the style, for the list-style-type. I'm not going to give you a full list, but I'm going to give you the most common ones. So the one you're probably most familiar with, which is the default, is decimal. So in other words, your numbered list goes 1, 2, 3, 4, etc., etc. Right. You can also have decimal minus leading minus 0, which goes 0, 1, 0, 2, 0, 3, 0, which 4. Which can be handy for lining things up. Can be, can be. Okay. Uh, the next one we have is lower alpha or lower Latin. There are two hmm. different values for the same thing. One assumes that there is something to do with browser wars back in ancient history to give us two, <laughs> two names for the same thing. Okay. But they give you lowercase letters. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. For your, instead of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you get A, B, C, D, E. There's no dot after it? It's not A dot, no, no. B dot? Uh, or parenthesis or anything? Don't, well, hang on, let me scroll down to my screenshots. Uh, okay, the ones have dots after it, so I presume the A's and stuff do too, yeah. I would think, because otherwise it would look like it was a letter in the sentence. Sorry, you know, they do all have dots after them, yes. Okay. Uh, the other choice you have is lower Roman. Uh, can I tell you why that matters? It, um, I have recently noticed that if you if if you do it with capital letters, when you get to that, if you do, um, which one is it? 
eventually you'll get to something that when you type it turns into an emoticon. I forget which no. letter it is, but I run into that all the time where I'm trying to say, uh, you know, A, B, C. and then, What's that? It's colon and it's eight. Yeah, eight I've run into it with other things. Smiley, it gives you guy with cool shades. Yeah, it, I, I, it wasn't that one, but th- th- you get the problem. I do get the problem, yeah. Actually, no, so it's eight open brace gives you the two eyes and the, yeah, it's eight open brace, I think, is the one that changes to a smiley. Anyway, yes, things happen. Right. Okay. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the, the if you're using proper ordered list, then all of that is obviously taken care of by the HTML, so you don't have to do it yourself. So therefore, you can't have any of these weird things happening. So another one you have is lower minus Roman. So that gives you your I, 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 V, 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 I, etc. And then you have the uppercase equivalent. So upper alpha or upper Latin gives you capital A, B, C, and upper Roman gives you the uppercase I, 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 etc. And there is also support for non-Western numbering systems. So there's Hebrew, Armenian, a couple of different options for different types of Chinese characters, and a whole lot more. So th- there is quite a bit there in terms of how the numbers will look. Um, similarly, the same property controls how o- our bulleted lists look, but unfortunately we have much fewer choices. I have an entire definitive list here, because it is a list of three. Wait, that's all of them? That's all of them. All right. Disc, Disc, which is a full filled-in circle. Circle, which is a hollow circle, and square, which is uh, square. I guess you can alternate them, you know, so you could say that for the very outer list, we want a dot, and then for an inner list, we want a circle, and then for an inner, inner list, a square, and then go back <laughs> go to back circle, to dot, square. But I, think I that's would kind of like more. I'd like some stars or something. I don't know. It, it, seems a bit, it seems a bit primitive, especially when you have, like, many choices of Chinese character for the, for the numbers. Why only give us three shapes, two of which are almost the same? But anyway, that, that is what it is. However, do not fear, because if you want fancy bullets, you can have them, because there is a third property I want to tell you about. List style image. So list minus style <laughs> oh, minus no. image. So I could have uh, like little pig faces for my bullets? Absolutely. <laughs> you can pass it the value. The value it expects is the URL to an image. You can use any image you like, and that will appear as the bullet. So you can be sane and use like arrows and stars and things like that. Or you can be completely insane and use emoticons or whatever you like. All right. (laughs) This is one of those used carefully. Can they be any size you want? Can they be like two inches tall? I think if they get too big, they'll get truncated. I think the height is determined by the line height. So I think if you use a ridiculously large image, what you will see is a part of a ridiculously large image. Oh, okay. I'll use small pig faces then. Small pig faces. (laughs) Like 16 by 16 pixels is a really common size for favicons and for, you know, various little icons online. So the chances are you'll find a 16 by 16 piggy face and that'll work just fine. All right. Okay. Um, The last thing just to say is that as you are probably expecting, uh, actually, no, before we get to the very last thing, um, there is another list style type that is worth mentioning. So as well as, so we have the choice of the different types of numbers and we have the choice of the circle square and the disk. There is another value that you can use for a, that works on both numbers and bulleted lists, and that is the special value none, which just what? removes the bullet from your list. Okay. You want a list that isn't obviously bulleted. Hmm. You, may look, you may use it for menu. You may use it for all sorts of things. So it is an option. If you do not want the bullet, you may make it go away by simply saying list style none. 
Sorry, list style type, none. Okay. That we seems like a silly thing to have. It sounds silly, but we're actually going to see it in our worked example as, as we get to the end of today. I, I actually used it in one of my examples, and it looks good. Oh, just uh, I just tested uh, the thing I was talking about. B with a, uh, a right parenthesis in Apple Messages makes the guy with the sunglasses. So a right roundy bracket, is it? Yeah, just B, okay. right roundy bracket. It doesn't well, do it in B Telegram. Bracket. It's only in Apple Messages. See, I've seen other apps do it with the H because that's also a sane thing to turn into a silly smiley face, I guess. Yeah. But, okay. Right, so the last thing just to mention on styling our, uh, well, on, on the basics of styling lists is that there is, of course, a shortcut property. Hmm. So you don't have to say all three. You can do them all at once and it's list minus style. And it expects you to give uh, the first item to be the list style type, the second item to be the list style position, and the third item to be the list style image. And all three are optional, so you can leave any one or two of them out and still get it to work. So, so there's sort of like leaving out the height if you've defined the width? Well, uh, no, not really. Well, not quite. It's like specifying border colon red as opposed to border colon 1px solid red. Right, oh. so the the shortcut border accepts three possible things. Oh, okay. A width, a color. Sorry, a width, a type, and a color. No, a color, a type, and a border. One px solid black. Okay, width is one px. Solid is the type, and black is the color. But you can leave out one of those, and you can just say width colon one px, or width colon zero px is probably more likely because if you make it zero, you really, really don't care about the other two. <laughs> okay. So likewise, you can say ol list style square outside url bullet.png, which means that you will have, oh, I've just seen a very, 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 very silly typo in my show notes. What's very that? silly typo. So squares for an ordered list. Oh, <laughs> and you just did it for a bulleted list. Right, yeah, so uh, that, that OL needs to be changed to UL before the show goes live. That's a very, very silly mistake. Because it makes no sense to have an ordered list numbered by squares. <laughs> so squares <laughs> are not numbers. Um, so imagine that that OL says UL. Okay. So what we're saying there is we want the bullets on the outside. Okay. We would like to use the image bullet.png, but if that fails, we'll accept a square. Oh, because right, oh, imagine okay. which is a 404. Imagine you've typed the URL wrong. What does the browser do? Well, it falls back to the list style type. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then the example below is for an ordered list where we're just saying we want the decimal inside. So the Obviously, UL and OL are both switched in the show notes right now. They're both switched in the show okay, notes. Okay, good. There's now I understand. Okay. Yeah. There's one of each, but there should be a different. They should be the other way around. Okay. I'll fix that. Okay, now. You can. We have learned that if you use a space when you're doing a CSS selector, that means something inside something else. So if you want to have different numbering as you go deeper, deeper, deeper into the maze of nested yeah, lists, right. this is how you do it. So for your top level, you say UL, list style type, disk. Then you say UL space UL for the first level of nesting. You might say list style oh. type, square. And then UL space UL space UL, list style type, circle. I'm confused. They made it this really easy to understand. Well, there you go. That's, and logical. How, how could that be CSS? <laughs> it's generally okay. <laughs> it, okay. I grant you it takes a little while to see the 
okayness. <laughs> okay. But it is consistent. It's consistently weird. <laughs> okay. Which I, I, I don't mind consistently weird so much. What I really, really hate is arbitrary and random. Yeah. Okay, so with the CSS above in that example in place, and if you write the HTML as shown in the show notes, which is basically uh, an unordered list inside an unordered list inside an unordered list, you get what you would expect to see, which is disks on the outside, squares one level in, and circles, circles. at the third level in. Yeah. That's not and bad. I, f- I followed all of that, Bart. Excellent. Woo-hoo. Okay, well, that's one-third of what we're doing today done. Tick. Wow. All right. Now... We are going to learn about another selector. So I, I've been I've told you oh, all along. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I want to I want to ask one more more okay. question. Um, so you don't in this kind of CSS, you don't have to call a specific CSS element in your HTML. So list dash style dash type disk for ULs. You've already said so. That's going to apply to all ULs. You don't say UL yeah. style equals blah blah blah. Well, you could if you really wanted to, but remember, but that just seems to defeat the purpose. Well, I mean, but, if you had one wanted one kind of UL over here and a different kind of UL over there, wouldn't you want to define them with styles? Well, you okay, so you have that. You always have the option to do an inline style, right? That is just part of how the HTML works. But you would use an inline style for a very, very, very exceptional case. You would generally write your style sheet for an ordinary UL that I haven't made in any way special will do this. And then you might define oh, okay. a few classes. So UL dot Allison's favorite style. And then you, you might say in your HTML UL class equals Allison's funny list or whatever, whatever you've called it. Okay. So okay, you, good. you use a combination of the techniques we've learned already. Gotcha. 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 Okay, cool. I actually really understood. That's even more Excellent. cool. Awesome. Excellent. All right. Okay. So we've been learning all along that we have this concept of a selector, which is the bit that goes before the curly bracket. So uh, our selector, in this case, we had UL space UL space UL. That's a selector. And that selector translates to English as an an unordered list inside an unordered list inside an unordered list. Okay. Okay, so that is a selector. So we're now going to learn a new selector, the directly contained selector. So inside is very, 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 very vague, right? So if you have a if you have a div that contains another div that contains a paragraph that contains something else, the something else is considered to be contained all the way to the very top. Right. But what if we don't want to be so broad? What if we want to say is like not just somewhere deep, deep, deep down within it, but just one level deep? What if we don't want to cascade all the way in? And to prove why we need this, I'm going to start with an example of what goes wrong when you don't have this. Okay, good. (laughs) So the problem to be solved, let's say that we have decided that we would like list items inside ordered lists to have a yellow background and list items inside unordered lists to have a blue background. I don't know why we've decided this, but let's just say we have. Okay, so bullets are blue, numbers are, are yellow. Yeah. Okay. So we would write, based on what we know now, we could write the selector OL space LI, which means style list items that are inside ordered lists. And we say background minus color colon light yellow. Mm-hmm. And we would have another line below that says UL space LI, which means LIs that are inside ULs, background minus color light blue. Okay. If we then create a simple piece of HTML with an unordered list and an ordered list, and we look at how it looks, it behaves just like we expect. The bullet list there has a silly blue background and the numbered list has a silly yellow background. Right. 
Okay. What happens when we start to nest them? What if I put an mm. ordered list inside an unordered list or an unordered list inside an ordered list? Well, the screenshot shows the, you. The outsidest one is the one that ends up controlling the, the look. No, 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 no. It's the inside one? No, neither. Oh. One or the other. Depending <laughs> it's a little on which bit of both. Vote last. Which one you wrote last in the CSS, you mean? Yeah, which one came last is going to win, and I'll explain oh, why that is. Okay. So oh, that's you can horrible. See, you can see in the screenshot that blue wins, right? The the inner nesting is always blue. Let so me describe what a, Bart's got on screen. So he's got a, a um, an unordered list, and everything is blue, even though there's a numbered list inside, a, a, a mm-hmm. ordered list inside. So that one, yeah. that one you're like, okay, well, that's all right, because it was the... Uh, no, no, that yeah, one's wrong because yeah, the, the number should be yellow and it's blue. Why is it blue? Right, right. And then he's got the one going the other way around where he starts with an ordered list, which wants to be yellow, but then the stuff inside is blue. Which is correct. So in other words, correct. it works half the time. Oh, that's got to drive people crazy. Right. So why does it work half the time? Well, it works half the time because one of them has to be before the other. So if we reverse the, the order of lines one and four then we would swap which one worked and which one failed. In the CSS. But that's not very talking. helpful. Right. So why does that happen? Okay, well, let's look at the rules that apply. So if we take the list that's broken and we look at item one in the numbered list inside the bulleted list, mm-hmm. that is an LI that is inside an OL. So the first rule matches it, right? So the rule on line one in the sample matches it. It is also an LI inside a UL, because it is inside the outer bulleted list. Mm-hmm. So both of our rules match that LI. So what's their specificity? Well, the specificity, first you say, do either of them have an ID? Well, neither of them do, so their number of IDs is equal, so we can't distinguish on them based on IDs. Do either of them have a class? No, they don't, so they're equal in terms of classes. Do either of them specify the name of a tag? Both of them do. They both specify two tag names, so they're both equal. So their specificity is exactly equal. Ah, in which case we learned the last thing you wrote wins. Right. So what we want is for the specificity not to be exactly equal. We do not want the two of them to calculate out to the same. Okay. And the, re- the, the answer to that is to use a more restrictive selector, which is contained directly within. In other words, an ally whose direct parent is a UL and an ally whose direct parent is an OL. And then the collision completely goes away. Oh, interesting, interesting. And so the symbol that represents direct parent or directly contained, whatever way you want to phrase that, is the the, um, greater than sign. Oh, I like it. OL greater than LI means that LI directly... Subservient in some way to the the OL. Subservient is a good way to think of it, yeah, because that is the way they are. Yeah, yeah. And remember that... The thing you're styling is always the last thing before the curly bracket. So we are styling an LI that is directly within an OL. Mm. Or we are styling an LI that is directly within a UL. You read the selectors backwards, which confuses an awful lot of people. So I keep saying it over and over again. (laughs) You'll notice that that actually makes a twisted kind of sense. Oh, I'm starting to understand this stuff. That's what I mean, right? It is consistently weird. Because if you scroll back up to our broken example, we were styling the LI that was inside the OL. So you're still reading backwards. Right. Right, 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 right. Oh, interesting. I so like next that. We, if we change our CSS just to put in those little arrows, well, then all of a sudden, our ex- 
silly example, which is entirely <laughs> contrived and silly, by the way. And ugly as sin, I might mention. <laughs> yeah, ugly as sin, absolutely. Don't do this. But it proves the point, right? Yeah, you know, it looked better as if those bullets were little pig faces. <laughs> not entirely sure about that. Um, the other thing this contrived example gives us the chance to talk about is the difference between inside and outside. So because I've put city backgrounds on the LIs, you can see that the dots are outside of... Oh, yeah. Th- now it's visually, now I understand what outside means. Right. So that, yeah, that's what I said. I, never, I, 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 I think the reason that didn't sink in before until I'm seeing it visually and the people listening can't see this is I always pictured that this, this, um, this margin you were talking about went from the, the left to where the bullets were, but it goes farther. It goes all the way to where that text starts. Correct. The stuff because the bullet inside is the bullet. Outside the LI. Yeah. So as an that's example. That's a good example, Bart. Well, it's going to get better because I'm now going to show you the CSS to switch it to inside and then we can see what happens. So if you see the next bit of sample CSS, we are saying that all allies should have style list minus style minus position of inside. And then we're forced to give them a bit of a padding left because otherwise the bullet would be touching the very edge of the LI. And so in our blue background, the bullet would be like literally touching the edge of the blue. So it would look silly. The next thing we have to do is we have to say that in ordered lists and unordered lists, the left padding, we put it to zero because otherwise it'd be a white margin and then the blue margin. Okay, slow down, slow down, big boy. Uh, Let's go back up. Okay, so first... No, 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 let me ask a question. Why does the position of the bullet change what the padding is of the, the parent... In this, in the no, your first example, it doesn't OL. Change what it is, it changes what it needs to be, so it doesn't look silly. But, but in in your in your first example, we've got a big gutter, we've got a big space on the left hand side, and now when you move the the numbers inside, instead of those numbers moving to the right and leaving any, that big margin, the margin has actually gotten smaller. No, the margin has gotten smaller because on line six we tell it to go to zero. Oh, I wish you hadn't changed two things at once. That okay. That that's confusing to me. Okay. So we've All switched right. the regime. We've simply said that ordered lists and unordered lists should not have this padding on the left. Padding left zero. Because okay. you got otherwise you just end up with everything halfway across your page. Like you, Right. You, that's what I expected to see, and then, then we could fix it. Okay. I you did two steps in one. I, I'm with you now. Okay. Okay, well, I kind of did because I got fed up with taking screenshots. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I got it. Uh, we got there. Okay. And then from line eight down is exactly what we had before, just saying that a list item directly contained within an ordered list should be yellow and a list item directly contained within an unordered list should be blue. And now we have as sane looking an example of this silly idea as you could possibly make. Right, the bullets yeah. and the numbers are inside the city yellow. No, and blue. I don't actually like this the way this looks. It looks uh, awful. No, 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 no. I don't uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, your bulleted list that has the embedded numbered list, mm-hmm. the ones uh, line up, the numbers line up with the the first letter in the bulleted list, but on your second one they don't. That drives me crazy. I can't stand things and not lined up properly. If you change the padding minus left to 1.5 EM, then they would all very clearly not. They would all very clearly not do accidental lineups. No, no, no. They need to line up. They have to line up. 
Well, no, actually, because that makes it more confusing. That makes the A in a bullet list item look like part of the numbering, which it isn't. Well, that just happens to be because you you typed it that way. But the, the uh, an indented bullet or an indented number needs to line up with the first character of the bullet or number above it. Okay, well then it's a law. I can't stand it when it doesn't. I will I will edit your paper if you do it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Is there a way to do that? Uh, carefully tweak with the numbers. Keep fiddling with the numbers until it looks right, I'm afraid, is the answer, because 1EM, you'd imagine 1EM should do it, because we're saying go in by one character, but as you can see, it has to do with whether it's uh, a um, fixed width font and everything, doesn't it? Yes, it does. If you use fixed width fonts for everything, then what we have here would indeed behave like you say, because everything would be exactly the same width. Yeah, I'm never doing doing inside, because outside lines up. Well, actually, no, it doesn't, but at least it's way the heck over. It's it's far enough away that it's not doesn't look like you were just lame. <laughs> I think if you did an EM of one point five, it would look like you meant it as well, which would make the problem go away too. So one point five EM would make it fall between characters. <sighs> That's upsetting, Bart. Okay, all right, we'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, the point is you can play with this until it looks the way you like. That's really yeah, the point. Yeah, but I want. Yeah, so I, I'm not tell- how but to make then it in your up. next sentence, it's not going to. You used a different font. It was inside a quote. It's not going to line up, right? Because you used a different font, font inside the block quote. Honestly, me, it, I would it, say keep them, keep them, keep them outside. They're outside by default for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I, but there I, are times you may want them in. I have <laughs> in my life done it. I think twice. Okay. It, it, to me, what it looks like is is when you get somebody who's done a, a a PowerPoint chart where they use spaces to move the bullet over instead of a tab. That's what that looks like to me. That's what bugs me. Fair enough. Noob mistake. Okay, but I do understand it. Good. Okay. Now, the next little... So that's another chunk done. We can take that off. Actually, there's four chunks, I think. I just realized I can't count. Because uh, there's two more to go. We're halfway. So we've another another little topic done. We're now going to learn about two more selectors. So we've just learned about directly contains. So we've had another one added to our arsenal. And now we're going to re- learn a related pair called following and proceeds. Hmm. So if you would like a pair, if you would like the style of one tag of one tag to be different, if something else comes before it, oh. then you would say that paragraphs following headers should look like X. Hmm. Right, and the symbol for following is plus. <laughs> so we have an example. If I want to make a paragraph look different, if it follows a heading two, then it's H two plus P because again you read them backwards. Oh, so okay. a paragraph that follows a H two is H two plus P. Okay, and this confuses people because it's pretty well backwards. <laughs> but we're used yes. to it being backwards. It's always backwards. It's always backwards. On the on the other hand, the H2 comes first in the HTML and it comes first in the selector, so maybe it's only half insane. But it's the paragraph we're styling because it is the last thing we said. Or sorry, it's the last thing, it's the last thing before the curly brackets. So in our example, this would turn every paragraph that comes straight after a H2 bold. So H2 space P open curly bracket font minus weight colon bold. So this Imagine in your show notes that you wanted to make the top paragraph some sort of a lead paragraph every time you started a new section. So you might have H2, George from Tulsa tells us something cool. Then one paragraph to be in bold because that's where you say, George is going to say blah, 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 blah. And then all the other paragraphs would be normal. Okay. This is how you would do it. Uh Uh-huh. Because it would only affect paragraphs that come directly after heading twos. Right. And there's the inverse. 
What if you want to style the heading too, depending on what came after it? So this allows Ooh, you to style. Ooh, that's stuff, upsetting. But you need that <laughs> symmetry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's sort of like going backwards in time. It, We've it, already passed backwards. by the H2. It gets to the paragraphs and goes, whoa, I got to go back and change the H2. Yes, it does mean that, yes. <laughs> okay. And the the um, symbol for that is the squiggle, tilde. Can't be a minus, huh? Can't be a minus because I think that... It, it can't be a minus for reasons we don't understand yet. But it, the minus was taken. Okay. All right. Well, I can get to that. So so squiggly. So it would be H2, squiggly, P, and that would... Nah. Aff- oh, no, it's got to oh, be... Which one are you trying to affect? It's got to be P, squiggly, H2. Yes, it does, which really makes your head explode unless you remember the golden rule that whatever is closest to the squarely bracket is what you're styling. So an H2 after a paragraph, isn't an H2 is, always after a paragraph? Well, I guess it could be after an H1 or an H3. Could be after, yeah, exactly. It could be after something else. Yeah. So H2 followed, an H2 that is followed by a P would be P squiggle H2. Good. Okay. I like it. It is consistent, even if it makes your head explode. And I will be honest, I have to go RTFM every time I need to do this. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'm going to need that one, but I get it. I get it. I'm still following. This you is... think you don't need that one until we start to do JavaScript stuff and when mm. we start to introduce forms. And a form, you have the concept of a label and what it's labeling. Mm. And the label tends to come directly before or directly after what it's labeling. Mm. So you might want the label for a checkbox to look different than the label for a dropdown. Hmm. Well, you would style it based on what comes next or before, depending on which way around you have your, whether you like to have your checkbox and then the title or the title and then the checkbox. And that's a whole war I'm not getting into. Whichever <laughs> one you choose, there is a CSS way of manipulating it. So it sounds like you okay. never need it, but actually you do. So, but, but I just want to make a quick interlude. We have mm-hmm. split Chit Chat Across the Pond from uh, doing security bits. And I think I learn much better when we haven't already been talking for an hour. Because this, or I this is really easy. I have been talking for an hour. You what? I explain better when I haven't already been talking for an hour. <laughs> okay. I think or it's this win-win. is an easier lesson. Good. Well, good, because that's three out of four done. Sweet. Now we come on to the last one, which is by far the most powerful. And it has a very confusing sounding name because it has the word pseudo in it, which is a, one of those words that means nothing. And it's not pseudo uh, as in super user do. It's P-S-E-U-D-O. No, it's E-U-D-O. Yeah, it's pseudo as in the ancient Greek or Latin word. Which means remember, like could, fake or something. Ish. Like a pseudonym is a, is a fake name. A pseudonym is indeed a fake. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yes, a pseudonym is a fake name. But this isn't fake. Pseudo is sort of like... Yeah, pseudo means sort of, kind of. It's very wishy-washy. It's a okay. wishy-washy word to describe wishy-washiness. Right, anyway, okay. We know about classes. So you can, in your HTML, say P, class equals boogers. <laughs> class equals anything you make up is the point I want to I wanna stress. So the names of the classes are invented by you. Right. And then you use them in your CSS to style the boogers or whatever you're styling yourself. Right. Pseudo classes are not made up by you. Ooh. Pseudo classes are, are added to tags by the browser following the rules of CSS. So the CSS specification tells the browser what pseudo classes to be applied. So they are like classes in that you can use them to style things, but they are not of your making. They come into being by the fact of what they are on the page. And the wow. easiest example to get your head around it is, is a link visited or not visited? That is a pseudo class. Ah, 
Right. You right. don't decide what link is visited. The browser does. And it marks that fact using a pseudo class. But do I get to define what that pseudo class looks like? Yes, you do. Oh, so you okay. can address that pseudo class, but you didn't create that pseudo class. Right. The browser right. tags the link as being visited and you decide what that means. Do I want it to look red or something? Right. Mm -hmm. And so dot something means a class. Well, colon something means a pseudo class. And colon colon something means a special kind of pseudo class. So if it has a colon in it, it's a pseudo class. Okay. And it may have two of them for reasons we'll see later. All right. So just a reminder, so far we know that dot means a class, pound sign or a hash means an ID, and now we remember that colon means a pseudo class. Okay. And we can mush them all together. So we could, if we wanted to, say that visited links of class VIP should be read, which is a dot VIP colon visited. So what dot VIP a? a is a tag name. So it could be A or P or, well, you can't have a visited paragraph. So it's got to be A if you're going to use visited. I don't understand. Okay, so remember, there are simplest CSS selectors, the name of a tag. If there's no symbol before it, it's just the name of a tag. So A is the name of a tag. P is the name of a tag. If you scroll up, UL was the name of a tag. H2 was the name of a tag. If you don't put a funny symbol touching it, it is just the name of a tag. So A is But just VIP an is one of these pseudo classes, right? No, dot oh. VIP. Oh, okay. Dot. A dot VIP is something we just created and colon visited, visit, because it's after the colon, that's one of the pseudo classes. Exactly. So dot VIP is a class like we've learned before, you know, A class equals VIP. Oh, colon okay. visited is the new bit. Got ya, got ya. I'm still not real good at the these two different ways you talk about the same thing, one with the equals and quotes and one with the dots, one in CSS and one HTML. I get them mixed up. So that's why I get stuck. Okay, I'm, I'm with afraid, you. Well, okay. Thankfully, when you look at them in JavaScript, you look at it in the same way as you do in CSS. So hopefully that will cement the difference as we go further. As I start using it more. Yep. Practice. Yes, that's it. Okay. Exactly. Practice makes perfect. Okay. So the first pseudo classes we'll look at are the ones for links. I, I, need, to, I mean, need to make, up, make fun of the okay. company I used to work for real, real quickly. Um, they decided that branding was the most important thing on our internal network. So you weren't allowed to have any web pages that didn't look like the company website, which meant you couldn't tell anything apart. And the other thing was they really liked the color red. That was the color. They were all about that color red. So all links had to be red. And when they were red, they were red. So you could never tell where you'd be. Complete and total lack of information for the sake of branding. <laughs> At least use a different shade of red. Yeah, no, no, there was only one red. It was the name ah. of the company and the word red. Except, except at one point they they changed the color of red. It was a big deal. They had a big thing because <gasps> the red changed. Yeah, it was huge. Different RGB value. Yeah, well, it turned out it was for a good reason though. At first, I was really annoyed, thinking how many vice presidents' salaries were paid <laughs> to have this discussion. But it turned out it was because the red they'd been using forever was really hard to print, and they had to pay extra. They had to pay a fortune to have it printed in, in documents and you know, in flyers and stuff. You'd imagine that kind of problem would have been fixed before the internet came along when everything yeah, was printed. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? <laughs> Obviously, it took a lot of VPs a long time to make that case. <laughs> yes. But anyway, enough making fun of them. Yeah, I, I could go into a long, long list of such things. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the first group of pseudo... So again, there are lots of these pseudo classes. They're defined in the CSS spec, and every new version of CSS has added more of them. So this is not an exhaustive list of every possible pseudo class, but we are going to look at some useful ones and we will learn about more of them 
as we go further into the series and learn about new concepts. So let's start with pseudo classes for links. So every single link that is in a web page will be, by the browser, assigned one of two pseudo classes colon link for an unvisited link and colon visited for a visited link. Okay. I've no idea why they called it colon link, but they did. There is a third pseudo class that used to be really important, colon active. Hmm. So if you remember in dial-up, right, cast your mind back, it's 1990s, the internet is really slow and you're dialing up to it. (laughs) There we go. Ding, ding, yeah. You, You would get to a web page and you would click a link and for a good five or ten seconds, absolutely, positively, nothing would happen. It would take so long to establish the connection that the page you're on wouldn't even vanish, let alone the next one begin to load. (laughs) So colon active was applied to the link between you clicking it and the page actually buggering off. That's that's pretty interesting that there's a there's an actual CSS code that that doesn't need to exist anymore. Or actually, in some countries, maybe it does. Maybe it does. So it used to be the case that it was really important because people wouldn't keep clicking the link because they could see a change. Yeah. Something happened. And by default, a little, uh, a little dotted line would come around a clicked link. Do you remember that? And I think Microsoft mm-hmm. Internet Explorer made them red. Hmm. I never so used So purple it. is the default for visited, blue is the default for unvisited, and red is the default for active. Okay. But nowadays, you can try using that style, but you've got to be very quick to spot it. <laughs> Because you'll click, it'll be there for a split second, then it'll be gone. But it does exist, so we should mention it. Now, the next one I want to talk about is colon hover. Colon hover can be applied to links very successfully. So when you hover over a link, it changes its style. So a common thing people may do is, by default, remove the underline from links because it looks silly in a page, but leave them blue so they stand out. But when you hover over it, make the line appear again. Hmm. That's a common technique. In uh, in this day and age of mobile devices, though, that seems with touchscreens, that's a really bad idea. Yeah, you shouldn't use colon hover for something mission critical. Because hover doesn't exist. Exactly. But that doesn't mean you can't use it to give people who do have a mouse something nice. But you can't use it for something that affects the functioning of a page. Because if you do, anyone with a finger instead of a mouse can't access that functionality. So don't don't do it as a um, as a color then like don't make it not look like a link just because you thought it was cool to use the hover class the hover Correct. pseudo class yes exactly you you can use it to make a link really jump out when you hover over it by maybe changing the color to if ordinary links are like a dark blue maybe when you hover over it, they go bright blue just something to catch the mouse user's eye as they wiggle about the page <laughs> but whatever you do make sure that the non mouse users can still tell what's clickable. I tell you what, use the, the colon hover uh, pseudo class for links that go to Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, to be honest, I quite like the colon hover. I, I tend to use it to, vi- to make the color that I already chose more vibrant. But again, it's completely not required because there already is a color. Makes me want to start wiggling my mouse over your site. Okay, keep going. Yeah, okay. So that's colon hover. Now, colon hover is most commonly used on links. You can use it on anything. You can make your paragraphs different when you hover over them. So you know the way in the OS X doc where it gets bigger when you hover over the icon? You could apply, you could say P colon hover, open curly bracket, font colon 100px, font weight colon blue. Or sorry, bold. And mm-hmm. every paragraph you hover over would become 100 pixels tall. <laughs> 
you could do this. <laughs> and I'm, I think you should use pig faces in your sentences when you do that. <laughs> exactly, right? You could do this, right? Colon hover can be very useful. Don't I so abuse want to it. do this. I so Don't want to go do this. Bonkers, right? <laughs> there is something to be said for subtlety. Okay. Okay, Fine. so I have my little, my little soapbox there. Colon hover, it does exist. Okay, now we come on to, I think, some of the most powerful stuff we have covered in this series. This is just so unbelievably cool, in my humble opinion. So I have, we've already got this concept of a tag directly containing other tags. Well, those other tags are directly contained in an order, right? So if we look at the little sample piece of HTML, we have a main tag that contains a section tag, that contains a H1 tag, that contains a P tag. Then there's another section tag that contains a H1 that contains a P. So the main tag has two children, a section and another section. And each section has two children, an H1 followed by a P. But there is an ordering there because they appear one after the other after the other. Okay. That ordering can be accessed inside CSS. Accessed? There, yes. You mean there modified? Is, no, as in you can style it differently based on what number it is in the oh, list. Oh, okay. Okay. So the easiest one to get your head around where we'll start is colon first minus child will apply only to the first thing inside. The first other tag inside a tag will be the colon first child. So in our example above, the section on line two will have the pseudo class colon first child. The section on line six will not have that pseudo class because it is not the first child. It's the second child. Oh, jeez. The H1 is a first child. So it will have colon first minus child. (laughs) So, uh, were these children defined with respect to all the junk on your page? It, there are there are hundreds of first child elements in your page because section is first child of main, H one is first child of section. By definition, even By if def- I don't put sections in, it doesn't matter what tag you choose. Right, first child will be the, your tags always come in an order. Right, you write one tag and then you write another one. Okay, that will define. Whatever you put first, it doesn't matter. You open a tag and then you put another tag inside it. The first other tag inside is the first child. Okay, okay. It has nothing to do with section and H1. It's just the order they've come in. Okay, got you. you. I had to pick some tags, right? I had to write some sort of Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. Yeah, so main has a first child and the section has a first child. Now, the H1 doesn't have a first child because there are no other tags inside the H1. Right, it's just some text. There's no tags in there, so there are there are no first children inside it. So eventually, Wait, the paragraph you run is not a first child. No, that's a child of the section. Got you. Exactly. So paragraph is a second child, or the other the, the matching side of colon first child is colon last child. So the paragraphs actually are colon last child. Hmm. See, so you can attack the list from both ends. You have colon yeah. first child and colon last child. Okay. Now, the one place today where I'm in danger of making your head go a little bit sore mm-hmm. is the next sentence. There is a very much related pseudo class called first of type. Hmm. So, in a tag, the first child of type H1 is a first of type. The first paragraph is also a first of type. Oh, that actually makes first, sense. Oh, phew. Okay. Good. <laughs> See, separating out security bits, my brain is much fresher. That does yeah. make sense. Yeah. It's the first and time you've can- ever run into that type. Exactly. On yes. the entire page, right? 
No, no. So it's within its parent. You're always you're, a child is within a parent. So the same thing happens at every level inside the page. Oh, okay. So the H one is the first is the first of type inside the section. So it gets a first of type mm-hmm. pseudo tag. The first of the two sections is a first of type inside the main. So it gets that pseudo tag as well. Ah, but the first H, the second H one is also a first of type because it's inside a section. Exactly. So children you do not nest infinitely. You're only interested in parent-child relationships, not grandchildren. Okay. Not great-grandchildren. Not great-grandchildren. I like grandchildren. Okay. I do too, but in terms of <laughs> pseudo-classes, it's children that count. Okay. Okay. So that's actually, okay, good. We're doing well here. And there is also the inverse of that. So there is the last of type. Okay. So we have first child and last child and first of type and last of type. Hmm. And now I'm going to blow your mind in a fantastically good way. <laughs> there is colon nth child, open curly, open round bracket, a number, close round bracket. Oh, so, like 12th child? Yes. So the first section is colon nth child one. The second section is colon nth child two and so on forever. So you can address, you can say that the fifth paragraph should, for some insane reason, look different to the ones before. So this seems like a really bad idea because I can picture that you go to all this work to say, okay, that 12th child, I'm going to do this to it. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me. And then you go back and you stick a paragraph ahead of it and all of a sudden it all goes hooey. That is a danger. So it's generally used not like that. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I will also mention that there is an nth of type and an Okay, so there's an nth oh, yeah. child, an nth of type. Sure. Exactly the same logic we had before. Okay. Now, n doesn't have to be a number. n can be the special keyword odd or the special keyword even. <laughs> so nice. We're going to make, we're gonna make uh, green bar reports. Exactly, 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 exactly. Children, Zebra ask strike. your parents what that is. Do you know when I did my first year programming assignment, we had one of those line type prints that went, eh, 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 yeah, and it had green, white, green, white, green, white with little perforations down and the side, that's so it what never green missed. Bar report is. You had a printer? Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was on cards. Right, eh? I had to work twenty five hours a day and had to get up two hours before I went to sleep. <laughs> Ever dropped a box of cards? <laughs> exactly. Once. Okay. Okay. So. One last thing to say. So we nth of type, odd or even, or a number. And then there is also nth last child and nth last of type. So the they can also count backwards. What? But again, oh, just so nth last child one would be the last one? Correct. Nth last child two is the second okay. last one. Sounds so you dumb, can count over I... count down. They're always symmetric. Yeah. And they're always nth child or nth of type. So basically you have... Of anything and of a specific type. So you have all of, there are all those permutations exist. Again, pause this one because we will come back to it in the worked example. Okay. And then just before the worked example, I want to throw in one more pseudo classy group. These are the ones with the colon colon. These guys are weird because they don't affect a whole tag. So far, everything I have told you affects a whole tag, a paragraph or a span or a div. We've never done something that affects half a paragraph. Well, these colon colon guys affect chunks of stuff mm. because the, the why will make sense when you see the name. There are two of them I want to draw your attention to. Colon colon first minus letter. Well, clearly the first letter is a part of a paragraph. 
Oh, right. Oh, is this where we can make your giant letter like in the uh, in the old in book? The old days. Correct. Colon, colon, fir- so P colon colon first letter, open curly bracket, font weight bold, font size 50px. We'll create your giant letter for mm-hmm. the first letter only. Cool. And then the other one is colon colon first minus line. So you could use that to say that the first line has a padding of 10 to make ye olde paragraphs like you used to make in school, where your paragraphs were the first line was indented in. Oh, okay. Okay. And then the last one is a really special case, colon, colon, selection. When a user drags their mouse over some text to select it, you can change the style. By default, it's blue. You could make that pink if you like. Oh, okay. Okay. With the colon, colon, selection. Let me ask you on, the, on that colon, colon, first line thing. Could you, how do you define it? Do you, do you define a number, like an EM kind of thing? or like You would just it? say P colon colon first line open curly bracket your style close your curly bracket Whatever and that, that would apply is. to the first line of every paragraph okay. or you might say p dot vip colon colon first dash letter and then it will apply to the first letter of paragraphs of class vip gotcha okay so again we we start to collect connect all of these lego pieces together to form what we really want to say that that's what that's how css selectors work you're sticking lego bricks together to to arrive at the meaning you want which is going to be fairly specific so we are now ready to look at an example and hopefully tie our little pieces together in a neat little package so there is a zip file that you could download pbs 10 it contains um an html file a css file and a few image files that are needed just to uh, do some examples Okay, and save it to your local server and then browse to localhost forward slash pbs10 and you should see a not ugly web page <laughs> no pink no blue no pink no blue but we uh, could go add it in if we wanted to experiment with it huh absolutely because you've just downloaded the code so i'm going I to get the pig face right now i forgot to actually go just to i loaded it so pbs10 pink. okay i'm looking okay. at it so our first example is just our styled list. So we have done exactly like I did in the earlier example, but this time with numbers. So the first, the last time we saw a disk and then a square and then a circle. Well, now we have decimal, then lowercase alpha, then lowercase Roman. Yeah. Same idea. Okay. And then a very similar idea, but just to show how the images work, we have a bulleted list with big arrows and then little arrows. Hmm. And okay, so, so that's where you did two little two arrows. You have a medium and a small PNG in there. Correct. So if we go to line 55 in style.css, actually, first let's go to index.html and find the HTML that matches it. Ah. So the HTML is set on line 48, and it says UL class equals arrows. Ah, there we go. Okay. So I don't want every list to have these arrows. Just, just the ones I choose. So I give it a class so that I don't have to have arrows everywhere. So we have ul.arrows list style image is arrow medium.png. Right. And then we have ul.arrows space ul.arrows. Oh, because it's in one inside oh. another. Exactly. Got but you. again, only on the class arrows. So we're, we don't want to muck around with any of our other lists. Right. Okay. Good. So that All is right. our list example. You know, Excellent. the arrows are vaguely useful. Um, yeah, it's easy to abuse. Be careful. Uh, a Bart B.ie, mind you, uses this concept. I have very little JPEGs of little cute chevrons. <laughs> you see because they didn't side. give you enough choices. Yeah, and I wanted. I I don't want it to be the color of the text. I want it to to be much more subtle. So it's a very light gray chevron. 
Can I ask you, just, this might be a little sideways question, but do you have a place that you keep things like this that you're going to want to use all the time on your web server? Do you have a specific location so they're easy to reference? Um, to be honest, where you would put them would depend an awful lot on what it is you're doing. So in the case of WordPress, which is what my website is, that decision has been made for me. WordPress oh, you, has rules. Wherever you uploaded it? No, it needs to go inside the theme. So WP minus content contains a folder called themes and inside there is one folder for your theme and you have to put everything of yours into that folder. So decision no, made. No, 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 not if you're pointing to a, 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 an arrow that you uploaded, that could be anywhere. Okay, but then it isn't part of the theme anymore. Then if you move that theme to another server, you've left half the theme behind. So if you read the WordPress guidelines, they tell you that everything you need to make the theme go should be inside the theme because otherwise when you move the folder, you leave... Okay. You scatter yourself to the four winds. You know that, okay. that would just—you could do it. You could right. do it, but it would be stupid. Correct. Yes. So the, the yeah. So the decision has been made for you. It's not enforced upon you, but it has been made for you. Okay. I do guess there is a subtle difference between what you should do and what you can do. You can do an awful <laughs> lot of very silly things. And I, I, I absolutely would have never thought of putting it inside WP content. That would have never occurred to me. I would have put it in some folder called Allison's Icons or something. Well. In a few weeks' time, when we've got a little more of this under our belt, I think it's a roundabout time at that stage to teach you the power of WordPress child themes. Yeah, in theory, that's we're going to get to that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And at that point, you will start to think about the WP content folder very differently. Okay. Because it will become your home. You By the way, for it. everybody who's waiting for my website to actually not look like it was built in 1972, this is what I need to learn before I can do that. Yeah, we have a mission here in this series. <laughs> Okay, right. so the next thing I have is just an example of using our pseudo classes. So you'll see that we have in the text below, the first letter of any paragraph directly after a heading is bold. So it says a header, Laura Mispan with a capital L, and then the next paragraph is a normal P at the start of the mm, paragraph. Right. Then we have another header and then a capital I. So I just thought it was nice to have a section starting with a bigger letter. Right. So not every paragraph, just the first paragraph. Okay, so uh, yeah, so what you've said is you've got the pseudo class first dash letter, and before that, double colons, because that's how we know it's a pseudo class. Yeah, so right? colon colon first dash letter. Look at that as an atom. That's all. Oh, okay. Colon, okay, colon, colon, so that's together. And then the, the next thing to the left is the P for the paragraph tag. So mm -hmm. we know this is going to affect paragraphs, but it says plus, I'm going backwards, right to left, plus mm -hmm. H3 means that it's everything after an H3. So if you had an H4, which you do, I'm sorry, in H2, those are not, have. don't have capital letters, but the H3s all do. And I, I'm sorry, not capital, bold. Bold, yes. Yes, exactly. So it's, um, so you would read that as the first letter of paragraphs directly after H3s is bold. Again, you're going backwards. Right. And the pluses you're directly after. Yeah, so there, there we have a practical example tying lots of things we learned today into one little doodad. I just so, edited it to say font size 28px and it worked. Oh, yeah, it'll work. Um, Maybe a little OTT, but it will definitely work. Definitely work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I just want proof I can do it. Yes. You could also use text transform upper to make them always be uppercase. <gasps> oh, I'm doing that. Okay. You, got, you, you, you just... could do that to the entire first line as well, which would just be weird. Anyway. Okay. Uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So the last example I want to use to tie things together is... It's in the sample webpage as tech wishlist. It is a list. Doesn't look like a list, but it is a list. 
Mm-mm. If you look at the code, which starts in index.html on line 97, you will see it says UL class equals zebra. So <laughs> I call them zebra patterns. Nice. You call it class equals, what do you call green, that special? Green bar. Green bar. Green bar. Class equals green bar. You could do it as well. Uh-huh. So I guess if you did green bar, you'd, have, you'd choose different colors to me. I went for green and yellow instead of green and white. Yeah. Maybe it's old paper. <laughs> So UL class equals Zebra, and inside it is just a bunch of LIs like you would have in any other list. So an iPad Pro with a new Touch ID sensor and round screen edges like the iPhone 6. That's what I want for my next iPad Pro. A MacBook with Thunderbolt and DisplayPort over USB-C. An affordable 27-inch iMac and a smaller iPhone. They are my (laughs) wishes, right? And they're in a list. But when you look at them in the page, they don't look like any list you've ever seen before. No, there's no bullets. There's no numbers. There's no bullets. There's no numbers. There's like these nice sort of and dotted borders top and bottom, but not duplicated in any way, just exactly top and bottom. And there, there's the zebra pattern, yellow, green, yellow, green, yellow, green. And when I hover I over them, they change to bold. Yeah, so they highlight as you hover over them, so it's easier to read. All right, I'm going over to the style.css and see what ze- zebra says. Exactly. So let us, it is starting at line number 79. We start to, oh, no, it isn't. It's starting a little before then. Starting at line number 72, oh, we start to build this up. By the way, Bart's uh, CSS file has tons of comments in it, so it makes it really easy to go, oh, this is the one that did that. That's fantastic. Correct. Yes. Do you so do that in your own code? I do whenever I do something that is that is not obvious to me. So I would comment okay. less because I don't comment on the stuff that's really obvious. Okay. But I would comment on every time I make a decision that I think I w- that I could ever conceivably say to myself, why? <laughs> I will have a comment telling myself why, because... The best friend of today's me is the me from six months ago who wrote the bloody comment. Right? <laughs> Which is why it, I do screens or I do uh, clarify tutorials. Exactly. Yes, it, it's exactly the same concept. You're not writing comments to make your lecturer happy. You're not writing comments to make your coworkers happy. You're writing comments as little presents to future you. And future <laughs> you will be delighted that present you took the time and the effort. Right, right. Okay, so the first thing we do is we style the list container. So the UL itself. So ul.zebra is the selector. In other words, all ULs of class Zebra. So the first thing we want to do is we want to remove that left indentation. So we do that with two lines, padding colon 0px, margin colon 0px. Hey, presto, that list now has lost all of its padding and margins. Boom. Then we move on to the list items. So the first thing we want to do is we want to remove those those bullets. So we say list style type none. All our little bullets are gone. Then we add a top border to every single list item. Border minus top, 1px dashed light gray. We set a padding inside the list to two pixels because otherwise the top of the text would touch that top border and that would not look pleasant. And then we set a background color of a shade of yellow, I think it is. Yes, it's a shade of yellow. And we leave it at that. Uh, Explain the padding one more time. You're saying padding of 2px... Why, why okay, would the so letters hit the, the top and bottom? Okay, so inside, a, so remember, a list item is a box. So every right. box has a content region, which is where the text is. Uh-huh. Then it has a padding. Then it has a border. And then it has a margin. Now, we haven't set a margin, so it's zero. And then... But doesn't it always have, have a padding, padding or the letters would always touch each other, top and bottom? Right. So the border, the only thing between the top of a letter and the top border is the padding. So if you have no padding, then there's nothing between the top of a letter and the border. 
Right, but if if you de- if there isn't a padding by de- you're implying that there's a no padding by default, and that would mean that mm-hmm. the bottom of the letters in every list would be touching the top of the letters in the one below it. Not necessarily, because there could be a margin between the different list items. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm you don't normally have it. a border around a list item, right? Okay. All right. You're a big fan of that dashed border. And by the way, with my, with my, just so you know, people my age can't see that there is one. Looks like a solid line to me. That's fine. But it looks, it looks half as dark as it would if I'd used another, if I'd used okay. the solid border. Okay. Just so you know. It, it just makes a secret more, more code for fuzz- young people. <laughs> no, as long as it looks like a fuzzy line that's not as yeah. eye catching as a solid line. Then I'll give you that. It. I'll give you fuzzy. I can tell it's, it's, it's there. It's like pixel shading. Right? Okay. You're not supposed to look at the shading. It just has the effect okay. of making it less obvious. Okay, so the next thing we're going to do, so right now, at this point in time, if we were to leave off the rest of the code, every single list item would be yellow, mm. and right. there would only be borders on the top of each list item. Oh. So there will be no border to round it off nicely at the bottom. So the next thing we're going to do is add a border, but only to the last item. So ul dot zebra space li colon last minus child border bottom one px dash like gray. I don't understand. Um, okay. Oh, okay. So, okay oh, oh, I see. Each each one of these list items has a border on the top. The bottom correct. one you need to have a border on the bottom so that it's it, gotcha. I'm sorry. I, I caught up. It took me a second. Mm-hmm. So that's all that that line is there for. So line 88, well, line 87, 88, and 89 are just there to to finish off our little tabley looking thing. Just to put a line underneath. So it gives us an excuse to use last child. A really, really common excuse. Yeah, now, sometimes yeah. you'll find that the opposite way around, where you use first child and then you set a bottom border, but the logic is identical, right? Yeah, yeah. Top border, you mean. First, well, first yeah, so child. we have done it with top and last child, but you could do it with bottom and first child. Yeah, gotcha. You can flip it around. Right. Okay, and then the, last, the next thing we want to do is we want to have this zebra pattern. So right now, everything is yellow. Mm-hmm. So now we want to make the even ones green. So we say ul.zebra space li colon nth of type even. Oh, you didn't tell us about even. Nice. I, I told you about odd and even. There's, oh, you, you did? You can use them instead of one, two, three. I did. Oh, okay. I believe you. Two special you. values. So we can have odd or even. I chose even. Okay. It really doesn't matter. Just which one will happen first. And then we say background color is this particular shade of subtle green. Nice. And then the very last thing is make our hover work. So we say ul.zebra space li colon hover font weight bold. Now, do so you that's remember li's inside ul's? Li's inside ul's of class zebra. Right, but you can have li's that are not inside U- li's that are not inside L- ul's. Would not be affected by this styling. As which was is why not called hover- zebra. Got you. Yeah, which is why when you hover over the, the, the other list on the page, it's not bolding up all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I have contained my weirdness. Okay. <laughs> by being specific, right? Mm-hmm. By having a nice and specific specifier or selector, by having a nice specific selector, you're, only, you're not having this detritus flowing all over the place. That's why <laughs> we need to learn about classes and stuff so that we yeah. target our changes so that we don't end up having collateral damage. Now, this bothers me. Font-size colon bigger. What's Good, bigger? I'm glad you spotted that. So way, 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 way back, I did this very intentionally, way, way back we learned about how we specify font sizes and we said that you could do it as a number of pixels or you could do it as a, no, as a uh, number EMs, of EMs right. or you could do it as a percentage 
Or you can do it as an absolute value of a name. So small, extra small, large, extra large. Or you could do it as a named relative size. And you said, I don't think there's ever any point to that whatsoever. And I said, (laughs) well, there kind of is, but not very often. Well, this is a perfect example. Font size bigger means whatever the size is based on all the rest of the CSS, this should be one size bigger. Huh. Is is small, medium, large, and all that, is that defined by the theme? It, small, medium, large is defined by the CSS spec. I don't remember offhand what oh, it okay. is. Okay. But basically, small is a certain amount of PTs and but if we But if we had set all uh, LIs inside ULs to be font size 26 pixels, mm-hmm. then bigger would have gone to 28 or something like that? Something like that. It would have been okay. a, a step up. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool. Exactly. So, to prove how this is powerful, you could go right up to, say, after... Actually, line 11 is exactly where you go. So if you go to line 11 and change it from 10 point to 20 point, Mm -hmm. I don't have to go down and change the hover anymore, or again, because the hover will just be bigger than what is the current font size. Yeah. I can read that now. Excellent. So that's why sometimes relative sizes are useful, because I just want it to be bigger. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you hover, it should be bigger. So it is. Yeah. Why do you make a font size 10 point anyway? Do you hate me? Uh, do you know, I copied and pasted that style from the uh, playground thing that we made for the um, the boxes. Yeah, one of my and goals I mean, when uh, we're done with this is for you to change a font size on your website. <laughs> my whole my website, like your website, is urgently in need of a whole new theme. Oh. It doesn't just need a bigger font size. Promise me, though, that one of the things you'll do is a bigger design. font size. Absolutely. It will be bigger when I redesign it. Okay. Um, I use, I use it, control it, scroll up on your site more than any other site. Maybe it's because I go there all the time, though. I'll take that as a compliment, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, this is really cool, Bart. This is uh, every piece of this in its bite sized chunks was understandable. And your examples are really fun because it lets us play with them and see what they do. Yes. And of course, with CSS. You have lots of little Lego bricks, and how you put them together is where the fun comes, right? There's an infinite amount of styles for a web page. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so zooming out to the big picture, so where are we on our little learning journey? So that is the last new CSS concepts I'm going to teach you for a while. Um, we're going we're gonna to learn some specifics next week, but they're not concepts, right? So pseudo classes is a whole new concept we had never come across before. And these extra selectors, they're not entirely a new concept, but they're still fairly substantial pieces. We've nothing like that for a while because next week I am finally going to let you play with tables. Because <laughs> well, now... that we don't want tables anymore. Why are you going to teach no, us tables? I haven't taught you that. What I have keep saying, my mantra over and over again, is that tables are for one thing and one thing only for displaying tabular data. Ah, okay. And you may want to display tabular data, some statistics on a web page. Well, they should be in a table. Okay, okay. And that table, in fact, should make use of the stuff we've learned today, the nth child stuff. So that table is nicely zebra patterned, so you can read it easily. And when you hover over it, the current row should highlight so that you, if it's a long row of numbers, you can see what, you know, your eyes don't fall over the lines and stuff. So all the stuff we've learned today will make our tables actually powerful. What oh, you good. don't use tables for is for laying out the page. Okay, good, good, good. 
So that's why I've left them to last, so that all of the reasons people abuse tables, we have learned the right way to do it. Therefore, there is now no danger in teaching you tables because you will only use them for the right thing, which is tabular data. (laughs) Don't use them for evil. Use them only for good. And there can be very good, right? So we're going to learn to do tables properly. There are an awful lot of badly done tables on the internet. We're going to learn the right way and we're going to ignore all the wrong ways. And we're going to learn the CSS to control tables. So we're going to learn about tables as a, as, a, as, a, as a chunk, HTML plus CSS in one go. And at that stage, then we are ready to move into our JavaScript. All right. And then when we get into JavaScript, we're then going to come back to HTML because we're going to need to learn more stuff. So I have not taught you how to make a button. But buttons are kind of important for JavaScript. Oh, I like right? buttons. Yeah, you click a button and something happens. The JavaScript makes the something happen. But unless there's a button, what are you going to do with the JavaScript? Yeah. So we're going to learn about buttons and drop downs and checkboxes and radio buttons and all of those things. But again, first I want to teach you some basic JavaScript and then we're going to start learning a little bit more HTML and then we're going to make the JavaScript change the HTML and make the JavaScript change the style sheet so that you can have stuff hide and vanish and disappear and come back into being and all of that cool stuff. But first tables, then basic JavaScript, and then then we really, really start to do cool stuff. All right. This is this is so much fun. I, I can prove that I understood everything you said. I'm sending you a little image in Skype right now. Oh, wait. Did you come okay? right? Ah, it got truncated. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. If I click on it, though, no, if I click on it, it'll be fine. Can you see the whole thing? Uh, okay. If I click this little thing that looks like an eye. Okay. They're piggies. <laughs> I got little, I replaced his arrows with little pig faces. <laughs> now, I, I, as an exercise for the user, if you could make the nested arrows look like sheep, then, then we'd know you really understood. All right. Well, yeah, I'll work on that offline. I don't know that we need to keep the show going. No, I don't think you do. It's, you should stick this into the, into your show notes because the piggies are funny. <laughs> okay, good. Well, but are you proud of me? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Although piggies, there's no emoticon for boogers, no? Oh, I'd hate to go look. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> yeah, just not the poop one. That would be more more like me though, right? Maybe just a nose. That could be our, our little inside joke that when I show a nose, that really means boogers. Actually, if you got a raindrop one and a nose one and you went into Pixelmator for a few minutes... <laughs> And it looks like we're out of time, Bart. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're out of content as well. So it's probably a good time to say, until next time, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show. So if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback. So if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.